Welcome back to the Sustainable Stories podcast. Sustainable Stories is here to bring you the stories behind sustainability in our communities. From big to small, practical to theoretical, we're exploring the people and projects that are working to make our world a more sustainable, equitable, and healthy place to live. Welcome back to the Sustainable Stories podcast. My name is Jenna Inglot, and I will be your host for this episode. Folks, this is a really cool episode because it's the first time in 30 weeks that we've recorded a podcast in person. So I am sitting here today at Beaver Creek Conservation Area, just south of Saskatoon, with my wonderful friend Amber, who works with Miwasin. Welcome, Amber. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, so I'm excited to have you out here in person. It's so beautiful out here. Yeah. And I'm really glad that you're experiencing this. There's such a magical vibrancy at Beaver Creek. So um, we found a secret spot to kind of hide away and have some chats about sustainability and what that means um, for myself personally, but also um, in my work here at Mean Lawson. So yeah. And as we're chatting, folks, there's like chickadees near us in the bush and some ground squirrels. And yeah, it's just a really magical place to be. So if you haven't been to Beaver Creek, make a trip. Um, but yeah, just to start us off, Amber, tell um, our listeners a little bit about who you are. Um, which I know is a big question, but who you are, you know, what you do and kind of what led you to this work and, and where you are today. Yeah, sure. I was actually just thinking about this and how it's a pretty existential question. I feel I like perhaps Sorry. this is the <laughs> one of the things we've had to like sit with through COVID and, um, you know, that's, that's okay. I think it's good for us to have a little existentialism in our life once totally. in a while. Totally. Um, so I suppose just generally, I guess I'm a parent a partner, a gardener, and a lover of nature. Um, I've always had a connection to nature. I think I've been very lucky um, growing up where I've been outdoors and I've had experiences where I've had that opportunity to connect with nature in different ways. Um, And I think one of the things that I really get a lot of vibrancy from is to connect young people in nature and see that awe or that inspiration of them making those connections to the natural world. Um, And so in my work at Miwasan, I actually work as an interpreter out here at Beaver Creek Conservation Area. But just to give a little bit of a background about Miwasan specifically and why I was drawn to this organization. So Miwasan's a nonprofit um, and works to um, ensure a healthy and vibrant river valley with the balance between human and conservation for the benefit of present and future generations in Saskatoon and area, which I think is really like a definition of sustainability. And I think I can really resonate with that ideology of like, working to balance our biosphere and ensuring that we have um, healthy ecosystems because we are all a part of ecosystems. And I think that's something that in my journey um, at the university, when I studied land use environmental studies, I think a lot of that was what I was thinking about, that we often study these systems separate from humans, but that we're actually fundamentally and inherently um, connected and um reliance on these systems being healthy mm-hmm. and not just for ourselves but intrinsically that like wildlife and the, the creatures that we share this earth with and the plants that we share this earth with deserve to have healthy ecosystems as well and I think Miwasan does a really good job working towards that in the work that we do through development conservation and education throughout yeah. the Miwasan Valley. Yeah and it's huge that the work of Miwasan is so 
physically close to a large urban center mm-hmm. because you know we see that in sprawling centers around the world but even here in Canada like access to natural spaces that are you know in their as close to natural state as as they are um but close to an urban area is harder and harder to find right so folks living in those centers don't always get to see this stuff or experience it so anyways very cool that all of that's very cool but also really cool that it's so close to Saskatoon yeah and, and within the city like integrated sure. throughout the city so. and it is actually like Miwasan like the jurisdiction that Miwasan um has like the whole valley is the largest urban conservation area in Canada so okay. we're yeah that. we are yeah. so lucky to have the diverse amount of ecosystems that we have right within our city like Mm -hmm. many of the folks that live in Saskatoon are within like 15 kilometers of the Miwasan Valley right and like you know it's a 13 kilometer drive to get to this gem that we're at right now Beaver Creek and I think sometimes people forget that we have that but I also think people know that in Saskatoon if people come here that's the first thing they recommend is check out the trails go to the river and I think that that like makes its way into ourselves and and I think uh, part of the work that I do, I think I get a lot of inspiration around, I think the way that we work to steward these, these habitats and these places is by connecting to them. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why Saskatoon has such an affinity or Saskatoon people, if you ask them, that's why they want to be in these places because it's not many places that you can just, you know, recently there was some deer that were hanging out in downtown Saskatoon because they're using as a a corridor corridor, right so so that's a special experience that people get to witness um and I remember traveling in my 20s and realizing that we don't have that other places don't have what we have here and it wasn't until I left and then came Came back back. that I realized oh we're very privileged to have these spaces and 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 Wasson works hard um to balance you know, conservation and and accessibility development in order for people to access those spaces. Um, And then educating people about why these spaces matter and why it's important to plant native species and create habitats and steward the natural environment and, and all those, all those things. Right. Yeah, for sure. And thinking about it as a corridor, not just, I mean, we talk about it as Saskatoon dwellers. We talk about it as a corridor. Like it's, I remember living in the evergreen area of Saskatoon and getting to my work downtown. It was so easy. It was like 14 kilometers of biking, but it was so easy because it was all interconnected along the river. Like as soon as I could get to the river, I could get anywhere in the city. And that concept is the exact same for the species that move throughout like those conservation Mm -hmm. areas, right? They use it in the same way. So anyways, it's just cool to be connected to that like it's a corridor for us and like our movement throughout the city but it's also that is what it is for yeah the species the other species that live there besides us so yeah and I think what's cool too is that um for example at Beaver Creek we like one of the programs that I am a part of is the grade five ecology program so students um in both the Catholic and the public school division come out here and they learn about ecology at Beaver Creek and that's been going for um 30 years so people have a connection to these places because we connect them to these places in meaningful ways Mm -hmm. and I think a lot of folks coming out to Beaver Creek will say you know I remember coming here as a young person or I remember bringing my son or daughter here or my other grandchildren here Um, and then they come back when they're older and then they have that reconnection of like oh I haven't been out here since I was young and I think um, in the education and experiences department 
at Miwasan, which I'm a part of, um, we're looking at sort of encouraging other folks to come out here. Yeah. So we're, we recently just did a really cool program called Naughty by Nature. Um, and so that was like a really fun program that Jamie Harder, who is a interpreter who's been working with Miwasan for 20 years, oh, worked wow. on learning about sort of the weird and wonderful world of... Um, sex in nature yeah like because there's a lot of different ways that um animals go through and plants even go through sexual selection to find their mates and so just kind of like having fun with that and and having like a nice charcuterie and some um local sustainable um connections with local producers um to showcase that um and then to showcase like beaver creek after hours in a way where it's not just a place for families and young people that's that's what it is but also to encourage other people to make those connections in this space in a fun in a fun way um that supports the work that Miwasan is doing so I love that yeah it's been really fun I had I was lucky enough to be able to be a part of it so and the spot that we're in right now it's a secret little alcove that we ate our charcuterie and I had like a little spotted toey come and visit me and yeah there's you know I think when you sit here for a while you know, things come alive. And so yeah. kind of being a part of that. And and it was a lot of fun. Like, yeah. let's be honest. It's a little we ridiculous. Laughed. We, we laughed. Yeah. yeah. We, you know, it was a little bit naughty. So, you know, yeah. it was a good time. Oh, I love it. That's so fun. Yeah. 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 And and speaks to different groups of people, yeah. right? Yeah. So, Connecting yeah. different people at different different points in their life. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, so I was going to ask, you, you talked a bit about... Um, your so you know you went away you came back I'm curious about like your uh a bit more about your personal story and um you know what you studied in school like is this something you were always interested in or like can you reflect on you know when your passion for this stuff started (laughs) (laughs) well I was two years old (laughs) well I mean I think for me um uh I think to be honest, when I was in school, high school, I wanted to be a writer. So I think I, but I think that I was always in nature spaces, like always growing up. So I had this like really interesting, um, and I wrote like, you know, nature poetry and stuff like that. So I think like originally I was like, I'm going to be the writer, a writer of the world. And then I think I went to school and then I, I took some time away and I, um, did some thinking. And I think it's kind of funny because I was reflecting on this recently, um, that I actually spent some time and I, did a lot of active transportation in my twenties and I still do today, but like that was just something that I used to get around and I was really involved in my community and I was biking along and walking along the Miwasan trail. And I think I had this moment, maybe it sounds a bit cliche, but I had this moment where I was so grateful for the trails and being close to the river Valley. And I think I had this moment where I was like, I want, I want this to be around for future generations. Like I'm getting so much joy and connection, but also like, calming like it's good for my mental health to be able to have access to this and I think there was a moment in my mind where I like that kind of clicked for me yeah and then I was also kind of thinking because now that I'm at Beaver Creek I was also thinking about um like I got to camp a lot growing up and and I lived on an acreage outside of Prince Albert and uh I was you know very connected to the boreal forest so I think just a lot of that was just something that I was in all of the time and I got to see dark starry skies like these awe-inspiring moments that I think really um shaped me um in who I am and I think um 
I had this moment where I tell the story often because especially to the grade fives that I come through here that like a, the beaver is really special to me because I think when I was young, my grandparents had this land and there was a beaver that was there and my grandma would complain about this beaver chopping down all our trees, but they had this respect for this beaver. They had this mm-hmm. respect where it was like, you know, I remember I asked like, well, why don't you just get rid of the beaver? Cause you know, it seemed like it was causing yeah. all this stress for my grandma. And my grandma responded in a way that was really important, I think, and affirming for me at the time, where it was like, well, the beaver has just as much right to be here as we do. And so, you know, you know, we're not going to get rid of the beaver because the beaver deserves to live in this habitat just like us. And I think it was really cool because my grandpa used to take me and we'd watch the beaver on this pond and you know, just seeing it and talk about how it provides habitat for other creatures. And so I think it's really interesting because my brother and I used to play in this like cleared area with like beaver chews, you know, just like these like the sharp objects. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like a playground, you know? Uh, And I think, you know, that form played a role, I think. And I think it's really interesting. I was talking to my partner, Curtis, about this and how it's interesting that now I work at Beaver Creek and for me Wasson, you know, and I think, um, I think it just came from a seed of just, you know, we are so lucky to have all of these ecosystems and I want to ensure that, you know, we have those available to us in in the future because, um, and I think, you know, that took on a journey. I went to school. I did, um, an interdisciplinary program because I think I'm generally a very holistic person um, and I wanted to get a variety of perspectives because I think sustainability is about a variety of perspectives because Mm -hmm. that means different things to different people Um, and I think um, through that I kind of was first in biology a little bit but then I kind of noticed that in some of the sciences um, I think science is um, really important I think science-based thinking is really we need to use that to inform a lot of our plans and we do that at Miwasan as well like our integrated resource management plans are informed by that as well but I think in some ways too people often would study like almost nature separate from humans yeah a little bit and so I think for me I was like on this journey to figure out like well how can we yeah integrate that a little bit and I think it led me to like a lot of volunteering so I volunteered a lot with young people like let's talk science and I did Remy compost workshops and I think I got really involved with like student groups in university just to try and like apply the knowledge that I was learning in school and I think I connected with a lot of my community and I was inspired by a lot of my community and I think I've always loved seeing the connection that people make to being in nature and I think that personal connection of being in nature allows people to take action to steward it or to protect it and I think um that is what we need we need people to value what's around us not just from like a resource perspective but also from an intrinsic perspective of like yeah this is where we are and this is we get value from just being in these places yeah um yeah and I love what you said it's so interesting like when I was in university the same thing I started in in science actually I finished in science but I took kind of the bare minimum science courses that were required and really filled it with you know indigenous studies and sociology and anthropology and like Mm -hmm. the study of of because our like yeah like you say this separation of humans from the natural ecological system is a big deal but also separating like you know thinking that science and scientific understanding is going to solve problems which obviously it does and it will and it's super important um but disconnecting 
from, you know, that there is a cultural and a social aspect of our connection to the natural sure. world is so critical, mm-hmm. right? So, um, yeah, it's just interesting that you kind of had the same. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I definitely, like, I think I have a science degree, but I think I was trying to figure out, like, and I think recently I've been reflecting on this a little bit. Um, and I think the work that Miwasan is doing is we're learning to acknowledge that, like, Beaver Creek and the Miwasan Valley is on Treaty 6 territory. And we have yes. to acknowledge those treaty relationships and that we are treaty people. Yeah. And we're working towards reconciliation and being in nature and connecting to the land and understanding that those cultural stories and, like, some voices haven't been heard. Yes. And so we're working towards that. And what does that look like? And I think... Um, you know, acknowledging that, you know, this is Treaty 6 territory and that this area specifically is the home of the Métis. And Beaver Creek and the Miwasan Valley is the traditional hunting and trade territories of the Dakota. Yeah. And I think we're working towards um, understanding that people have been here for thousands of years and they've been care- caretaking this land for thousands of years. And Miwasan's just continuing that alongside. And it's important to make those connections Um and part of that as well, um, we have this app that we've been working towards. It's called the Miwasan app that folks can download to their phone. Um, and as a part of that is we just installed some interpretive panels at the Northeast Swale, which has been identified as like a culturally significant site in Saskatoon okay. um, to tell of those um those worldviews and, and connect people to those ways of indigenous ways of knowing. Yeah. Um, but to provide resources and recognize that. Um, there's, there's, those worldviews need to come together to make a whole. And I think for a while, Western thinking and scientific ways of knowing have a place. And we definitely need to ensure that we're drawing on those, but that we also are drawing on other cultural understandings. understandings Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny, we, I've talked about this on quite a few episodes with different guests, but you know, and when I was in university and I think still today, like you do learn about sustainability from a pretty, um, pretty white colonial perspective. Like it, it's almost like, you know, here are the leaders or the, you know, folks who have, you know, led this conservation slash sustainability, um, fight, if you will, for a long time. And then it, it kind of ignores the fact that sustainability conservation all of these concepts are things that we like they're inherent to indigenous people and indigenous cultures like we didn't we didn't come up with them like we didn't they're not things they're things that have been known by the first peoples here forever right right? yeah Yeah. the term being used is different and and the way we describe them is different but it's not yeah it's not something that academic scholars did for the first time by any means, right? Like sustainability and and conservation of the land has been happening on Treaty 6 territory long before you or I or any of our ancestors were here, right? So just kind of recognizing that. Um, It's funny you say that because, and it's not really funny, I suppose, but it's it's appropriate because I think one of the things I've been thinking about recently is this idea of like two-eyed seeing. So... um, which is a concept that was introduced by some Mi'kmaq elders, Albert and Medina Marshall from Cape Breton, Nova Scotia. And so I've been like exploring that concept a lot because I think in the work that 
especially from an educational perspective. And I think there's appetite as well for people want to authentically engage in Indigenous ways of knowing or Indigenous knowledge. But how do we do that in a respectful way? And I think Miwasan's really trying to work towards figuring that out together. Yeah. Um, and so one of the things that I've been exploring is this idea of two-eyed seeing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, what that is, is sort of this gift of multiple perspectives. Um, and so this idea of two-eyed sees, seeing that was introduced by these elders um, is this idea that we have um, to learn from our one eye with the best strengths of Indigenous knowledge and ways of knowing and the other eye from Western or, or ways of knowing or scientific ways of knowing and that we learn to use both of those eyes together mm-hmm. and that if we take those together we have a stronger whole than if we take them separately right yeah um, and then I think it also helps balance um, where it's sometimes you know there might be situations where you know um, I think things don't get invalidated you yeah. know if you take it from one perspective and recognize that you know, there are multiple perspectives and that we have to figure out how to balance those in the work that we move doing forward. Yeah. Going forward. And I think one of the things I'm really grateful for is that at Miwasan, we actually have like a few elders that we have had the honor of um, working with. And I know for myself, um, from an inspirational perspective, like Roland Duquette and Nora Cummings, those are a couple of elders that I've had the honor of being able to hear from and learn from um to sit and listen and take in that knowledge and um that's been an experience that I've been really grateful for and I think that I'm always learning and always curious and grateful that I get to have that yeah you know perspective being shared with me um yeah, and it's like you say, even just the opportunity to listen to and hear from folks who have this like incredible set of knowledge mm-hmm. and life experience, right? Like just, yeah, there's, I think in scientific study, we, we often replace like, you know, the continual study of something um, or the sort of accumulation of knowledge over time through scientific study as sort of the, this superior way of thinking, but that is what elders knowledge is right it's this Mm -hmm. accumulation of knowledge and and shared stories and shared teachings from you know thousands of years and hundreds of generations like that is incredible like the fact that that is something that we get to hear um through the voices of today's elders is like what a what an honor and what an opportunity to be able to have those folks who are willing to share that stuff so yeah yeah. Really yeah. Yeah. I I have nothing to add to that. That's yeah. Um and I think, you know, um a lot of the work that Miwasan does, like in the resource management, we do a lot of like habitat creation and I think um we do integrated resource management where we have a toolbox that we draw from to do adaptive management. We recently developed a monitoring framework to help us um move forward over the next five years where we're like monitoring our sites because we have a large area that Miwasan has has a conservation area of 6,700 hectares so that's like the equivalent of over 13,000 football fields and so that's a lot of of area that we're um learning to steward again with with the um 
honor of like hearing from elders and education as well of educating on that and then also allowing for access into those places so people can have connections um, but from a resource management perspective you know there's a lot of invasive species which are plants that are non-native or have been introduced that we there are ecosystem functions that are no longer operating on those landscapes that Miwasan is um, bringing those systems back into place. So through right. things like conservation grazing. So yeah. we have a program that we do um, where we bring sheep back onto the landscape to graze because yeah. bison for hundreds and like thousands, thousands of, of years. years have been on this landscape, but they're no longer here. And so they ha- they're a keystone species, which means they, they rejuvenate the landscape and they provide habitat and functions for other types of species to exist on the landscape. And so as a stewarding organization for the area of land that we have our resource management team does a really great job of trying to figure out ways that we can manage that landscape and bring those systems those important ecological functions back into the landscape um, to sustain the biosphere that we have here and the habitat so through conservation grazing where sheep come into the landscape they graze they mimic sort of how the bison moved across the landscape they poop they provide fertilizer for the landscape um and then also through prescribed burns because you know grasslands need fire in order to be healthy indeed there's like certain species of plants that need scarification or fire to move across their seeds in order to um, regenerate so um controlling how we have that on the landscape is all a part of this like plan in order to ensure that the landscape that we're managing is healthy and vibrant and it takes a lot of work because um, we also need to acknowledge the planning and preparation that goes into it and I think what's really exciting is that um, me Wasson's resource management team works really hard to ensure that we are adapting or looking at the results and adapting it consistently in a way that's changing and flexible, like an, yeah. like an ecosystem, right? So, totally. um, um, but it's also really fun. We have Jared Epp who comes out here and grazes at Beaver Creek and at the Northeast Swale. And it's really popular because if people come out and they experience that and we learn about predator prey relationships totally. um, and people, yeah. I think it's a connector where they can learn about well, why is this important and why do we need to do this? And then they can learn from it and we can be a model for that for um, other people to do that maybe on their land or, um, you know, I think that, you know, Miwasan provides a role model of that. Yeah, and I think it's interesting because if you look... I don't know if this is historical. A lot of it is current too, but this idea of conservation, meaning you have something and you protect it and then there's no... you just don't like, you don't touch it. You don't look at it. You don't anything. That's what concert, like I think Mm -hmm. there's an understanding even from the public that that's what conservation is, or that's what protection is. Um, but it's interesting in that term, like integrated resource planning or integrated resource management. Um, you know, there's the term integrated and then there's also the term management or planning, like this idea that, um, you know, indigenous people were a part of that historically Mm -hmm. as well, like in a huge way, understood their ecosystem and understood what, you know, their role in it and what different pieces needed and moved around and those kinds of things. And, and yeah, thinking about what is missing on the landscape that used to be here and how, you know, as a conservation authority, you can be a part of that system and start to bring those things back in. Again, it's kind of strange for the public, I think, right? They think, oh, sheep, like that's, those aren't a native species like you know and it's like no but here's why or prescribed burns people 
Well, fire I know scares the, well, people. And fire is yeah. scary for sure. And we see what's going on we, in, in this summer. But at the same time, it's like there are natural systems that used to be at place that aren't at play anymore. And that is also why we're in this fire situation that we're mm-hmm. in, right? Is because things have just changed so much from an ecological perspective as well. So, um, yeah, I'm just glad to hear that, like, those terms and that that's, like, a big part of what Miwasan does. And then not just doing those things, but then educating about it. Like, I think that's kind of also been the missing link is, like, you know, science and conservation and ecological things, knowledge happen over here. And, like, the public we got to communicate it though. So yeah, that's a huge, yeah. historically has not just historically, but even currently is there's a big, 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 big old disconnect there. Yeah. So and like, how do we communicate it? Yeah. I think there's and, different ways and, and depending um, on who you're talking to and sure. how you're talking to them, right? Like, um, you know, there's kind of the general public or the folks who come up to Beaver Creek, but then there's also like tourists who come there's, out of province yeah. out and of even other who, landowners know, like you sure. said right like being a bit of a model for how to do different things like I think that's huge for um yeah for other other landowners and and land managers in general to see and experience and learn about I think is important and having that network of sharing as well is yeah I think something we're seeing more and more value in but it has sort of been a disconnect for a long time so like rebuilding that is a lot of work yeah <laughs> so, for sure yeah and I think um one of the things too is you know part of that is communicating it effectively um, but then also building collaborative relationships as well so that yeah. it's not just one person who's communicating that like we're we're drawing on other people to inform how we can communicate yes. all the different stories and all the different understandings of the work that we're doing yeah. right so and recognizing like who is the best voice for this to come yeah in, for this to come from mm-hmm. like maybe it's not us right so um Amber, just this has been such a good conversation. I feel like we could probably, well, we already know we can talk for hours because typically anytime Amber and I get together, we talk for hours. Um, but I was just curious, like a little bit more about your, your personal life. And so you, you know, this work at Miwasan, um, and you know, your, your personal passion for this stuff. I'm curious about, and a lot of folks who listen to this podcast are kind of, looking for ways that they can be a bit more sustainable or, or connecting to sustainability in their own life. And I'm just wondering, like, as a way to wrap up, if, if there's anything you can share in terms of like what you do within your own life and your own kind of day to day, um, world around sustainability and environment, like if there's actions or sure, yeah, anything yeah. you'd like to share on that front. So I think one of the things is I wanted to share a couple of things that like one of the things that we recognize is sort of like um, at me Wasson um, and then I'll just share personally as well because I've got a few things. Yeah. Um, and you might relate to some of them because we we have some stories together about some initiatives. But um, I think one of the things we recognize too is that people are looking for ways to get involved and, ha- and, and take action to um, protect these ecosystems that we have right here in our backyard in Saskatoon. And so there's this really cool app like we're learning that technology um, is helping us understand the natural world in a bigger and better way. And we're learning to use nature um, and technology for good. So one app that I would highly recommend for people if they haven't heard of it before is iNaturalist. We promote it here um, at Miwasan because it's a citizen science app. Anyone can use it. So you download it. It's free. If you're out and about and you're exploring and adventuring, whether you're in the Miwasan Valley at Beaver Creek, maybe you're on a journey at another nature place or a national park or provincial park that you love, your own backyard. Um, if If you see something, you don't know what it is, you take a photo of it, upload it, and then it tells you what it is right away. 
way. And then experts on the app actually will verify your sightings for you. And then you actually build your nature knowledge and you build me Wasson's nature knowledge because we actually have access to that because it's a public, um, it's a public site and then it maps it out. So we can kind of, um, as a collective, as a part of that idea of like the public commons and people taking action, um, of learning about the natural world, we can see what other people are seeing. Like there's only, you know, we've got a a staff of me, and we do a lot, but I also think this is exciting that people can, you know, learn more about their natural through their phones, which I know yeah. we all have are on us every day now. So, yeah. Um, but there's like iNaturalist. We do like some scavenger hunts out at Beaver Creek that um, seasonally to learn about um, flora and fauna that we have out here. Um, so we encourage folks to go out and, and look for those things and learn about maybe there's something they don't know what it is. And and then, you know, we build our nature knowledge as well. Um, there's also eBird, which is another app. So if you're into birding, like a lot of us, it seems like got into birding over COVID. Yeah. <laughs> so that's something I've also been building my knowledge around too, is um, my bird knowledge. That's an app I'm using. Or Merlin, which is another one that um, takes a little bit more space on your phone. Um and then as well, um, personally, I think um, I have a garden. I love gardening. I love being in my garden. Um, and I've always been really interested in the way that my garden can provide food for me, but also provide food for wildlife. Totally. So this garden, that's like a wildlife-friendly garden or a, wild, a pollinator garden. So um, the goal of it is not just to provide food for me and my family, but also for um the wildlife within the valley because Saskatoon is also part of the valley. All of our homes and residents are also part of that corridor that we talked about earlier. So um, the more we can create habitat in our own backyards, whether that's like here at Beaver Creek, we have a purple Martin house. Um, That's really exciting. If you ever get a chance to come out here and sit underneath the purple Martin house in the summertime and listen to the pops and chatter of their calls and then just their aerial insectivores, which means they eat insects, um, and they catch dragonflies out of the air, and you can see it. And they feed their their babies. It's like watching an air show. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it but is. Better. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So cool. And they and they swoop and dive, and their wings are that. That's what they're they're adapted for. And they come back here every year, um, and it's an experience to be able to see that. But you could do that in your own home. You could totally build tree swallow boxes or or places for robins to nest, or um, a bird feeders in the winter time are a really good way to support our wildlife. Um, I have you to do urban beekeeping so um my hive um didn't make it through the winter a few summers ago um and so jenna here has some of my old equipment and is now doing carrying on the beekeeping (laughs) um profession um as well so um that was something that really got me connected to the changing seasons and more aware because you have to be out in your hive in the hot hot sun and so um, I think those ways of connecting to nature make you become more aware of the natural ebbs and flows of the seasons Um, and even a season like this where it's like you know it we're in a a severe drought right and so connecting with you know this year I was kind of bummed that there was no Saskatoons to pitch right and there was quite a few but honestly, when I saw how few there was, I thought about not just the birds that are going to eat them right now, but the leftover berries that are going to sit there and dry on the trees and be available for not just birds, but wildlife in our backyard in the wintertime. Like those were things I was hyper conscious of this year. Like 
There's a lot of things that are struggling for food and water now, and they're going to be struggling for food and water into the winter because of what they're struggling for now. So, you know, having kind of that connection to your own backyard is, yeah, really important and makes you so much more cognizant of the seasons and, okay, what's going on? Okay, maybe I don't need to, I love Saskatoons, but maybe I don't need to pick that berry this year because there's only one. So if it's between me or the wax wings that can get it, yeah. the wax wings can get it this year, you know? Yeah, so. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I think um, related to that too, like beekeeping or, or like what you were saying about like, um, if you're planting food, like you're leaving some for the wildlife totally. to have some as well. Like that sort of sustainability, that balance of like, you're taking some for you and you're leaving some for yeah. the creatures around you. And then also just, um, from a bee perspective, cause I really love bees. I love bumblebees. I like their I big, their, their buzzing and their, big they're just bonds. like a little bit, they're, they're bumblers, right? You know, yeah. so they're, um, and so, you know, doing native bee homes as well. Like we have one at Beaver Creek as well. But at my, in my own home, I also have um, bee hotels installed to provide habitats and um, for bees to overwinter. Um, yes. Native bees, specifically bumblebees and solitary bees, yeah. um, which we have over 350 species of in Saskatchewan. Known, we don't know all of them. It's something that we haven't studied. But they pollinate they pollinate a, a myriad Everything. of crops and yeah. and fruits and we wouldn't we wouldn't be able to eat yes. the things we eat without we their services have food. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so i think creating you know or like not removing leaf litter in your backyard you're leaving it so that um bee bumblebees can or other types of solitary bee can overwinter yeah. in that um and then I think active transportation, you know, a lot of these things we talk about, which we know, like walking and cycling, we've got that Mean Trail, 90 kilometers of it, you can use it to get throughout throughout the city. Yeah. Um, and then I don't know, I think for myself, I love nature, I'm constantly providing nature experiences for me, my little and my family. So getting outside, I think it doesn't have to be, you know, at a provincial park or a national park, just in your own backyard or neighborhood parks, being in those yeah. spaces and connecting to those spaces wherever you can um, and listening to birds and being mindful while you're out there. Um, I think that all allows you to have that deeper connection to understand why sustainability is important. Um, yeah. And it's, it's interesting folks. I, I know, uh, Amber's little one pretty well and seeing I mean we both love nature and and it brings us a lot of joy but seeing it through a little person's eyes is also like if you found you've lost your connection or you feel like you need to go far far away to connect to nature um spend a bit of time in the outdoors with a I don't know four-ish year old mm-hmm. <laughs> and like there's so many things that we forget um brings so much joy mm-hmm. and 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 simple the observation of simple things mm-hmm. is really really joyful and incredible and and you know you've said this a lot ember but to have that and have that opportunity to go experience it and sit with it and and be there in a place that's so close to where we live is really special so it is yeah yeah it's awesome yeah well, thanks for having me. This has been amazing. And I'm, yeah. I could have probably talk about this for days and days. But, yeah. Um. <laughs> well, I'm sure others will agree, but we'll have to get Amber back on our podcast because, yeah, these are conversations that we have frequently together. <laughs> I feel like we could record a podcast probably every time we're talking. So thank you, Amber. I really appreciate it. And it was great to learn a bit more about Miwasan because even as someone who's pretty connected to these spaces, um, I don't make it out here as often as I would like. So thanks for 
yeah, making that connection again and, and yeah. bringing you back out to Beaver Creek. Yeah, and if folks want to learn more to get involved, um, we have volunteer opportunities to get involved in some of the work. I know we did some um, beaver wrappings in the city to protect some trees from beavers, but learn to like live with the beavers yeah. alongside us. Um, and as well... Um, We've had a few volunteer sessions to pull some invasive species such as um, um, nodding thistle. Um, and we also have like purple loosestrife. And there's a few other things that yeah. folks can do to get involved if they're looking to, you know, yeah. inspire themselves or be connected to the Mewasan Valley in a deeper way. So, cool. yeah. Well, I'll make sure to link those in the podcast notes as well. So, yeah. thanks so much, Amber. Thanks for having me. You Enjoy rock. the rest of your day. Yeah, you too. <laughs> for tuning into this week's episode of the sustainable stories podcast this podcast is hosted by myself jenna inglot as well as roxanne wagner from sage sustainable solutions consulting for a full list of episodes as well as more information about sage check us out online at sagesustainable.com and as always we welcome your feedback thoughts and suggestions catch you next time